does Jay Powell even believe in the soft landing that he's trying to sell you? Because not a whole lot of people actually do. And that includes people on both sides of the divide, the inflation side as well as the recession side, let's call it. And I'll give you an example, starting with someone prominent on the inflation side, economist Niall Ferguson, just a couple weeks ago, he said this, I'm old, I turn 60 next year, so I don't believe in Santa Claus, I don't believe in the tooth fairy, and I'm pretty darn skeptical about Jay Powell's soft landing too. I've seen enough Fed chairs over the years to know that managing monetary policy is not in the least like flying a plane. If the world's pilots had the same success rate touching down as the world's central bankers at achieving price stability, most of us would, adopt, would opt to drive or sail. What you may wonder, am I complaining about? And of course, Mr. Ferguson is complaining about the idea that inflation is going to come roaring back. And that's going to cause the Federal Reserve to have to stomp on the brakes even harder, leading to greater risk of a hard landing. But there's another part of that hard landing scenario. It's not about the Fed flying the plane. It's about the plane on autopilot, a faulty autopilot that is being driven toward the ground at a high rate of speed by its globally synchronized trajectory, which is something even Mr. Ferguson noted. Let's go back to him again a couple weeks ago. Yet developments in China also illustrate the weakness of the soft landing metaphor. Unlike planes, economy can sometimes descend from the air, hit the runway, and then keep going down, plowing through the tarmac and into the subsoil. An alternative metaphor is the once popular Goldilocks economy. Remember, Goldilocks is a criminal, which was supposedly neither too hot nor too cold. As anyone who regularly cooks porridge will confirm, it is only very briefly at the just right temperature. Before that, it scalds your children's lips. Not long after that, it's cold and unappetizing. In other words, as we keep saying, soft landings don't happen. They are exceptionally low probability events because history shows when the economy gets going in that direction, more likely than not, it's going to continue to go in that direction. And what direction is it going at? That's what we have for us today. Now, we've been talking a lot about China and Asia. Let's look across on the other side of the planet at Europe because Europe, close connections, not just to Asia, but also the United States, globally synchronized. And it stands to reason, just very simply, if Asia is having massive amounts of problems and Europe is having massive amounts of problems, are there really any good chances that the, the United States will decouple from everyone else and go along Goldilocks just fine? Well, I'm not even sure Jay Powell believes that. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University, we have memberships and research subscriptions available. Memberships, we talk about the Eurodollar system. Research subscriptions, we talk about the Eurodollar system, the consequences of it, and what it all means for today and tomorrow. Information about our research subscriptions and our memberships is available at the website eurodollar.university. As I said, we're going to begin today in Europe because lots of stuff going on in Europe, just like there is in Asia, but enough on China and CNY. <laughs> we could talk about that again today, but 
Let's talk about market curves in Europe. Talk about nobody buying the soft landing, literally not buying the soft landing in European markets, both the rates markets as well as the forward rates markets. And that's where we're going to begin here. And we're going to show, I'm going to show you this charts that have become all too familiar because as you see for Euriber futures like German buns or French, uh, French oats or Italian BTPs, European markets ever since last year, really around September and October, that, that time period keeps coming back, keeps showing up all the time. Ever since last year, the markets have been saying, nope, no soft landing, no inflation either, Mr. Ferguson, no inflation as well as no soft landing. No matter what the ECB does, no matter what the data says along the way, although the data continues to, uh, to move in that direction, but no matter, matter what central bankers to tell, tell us to think about the data, markets have been remarkably, incredibly consistent in pricing probabilities all throughout this year. So let's start with the Euriber curve, forward Euriber rates. And Euriber is a Euro, a Euro money rate and forward Euriber like Euro dollar futures or term SOFR futures is the market projecting at what Euriber is going to be at certain periods in the future. And just like rates in the United States and U.S. Treasuries or in German bonds, as we'll get to in just a minute, what you see from the Euriber curve is the same thing. Ever since last fall, no matter what happens, no matter how many rate hikes the ECB does, no matter much, no matter much, no matter how much quantitative tightening comes out of the ECB, the markets are unusually consistent here. Going back to last September 27th, which was, remember, that was the big day in the UK guilt blow-up, uh, which wasn't really a guilt blow-up, that was a repo collateral shortage. Ever since September 27th, look at a couple different contracts here, the December 2023 contract has moved down. That means that the market is expecting a little bit more of rate hikes uh, currently today on September 6th compared to September 27th, 2022 despite the fact the ECB has done a massive number of rate hikes in between. Now, to be fair, these contracts did decline in value um, before we got to September. But really, since September, since that big, those big fireworks uh, across what seemed to be in the UK and London, ever since then, the market has said the fallout from this is going to be substantial. And the data that continues to come in along the way just confirms that there will be substantial fallout, as we'll get to in just a moment. The December 2024, so that's next December. That's what the market is thinking. Probabilities, these are not predictions. Probability-wise, where is your RIBER going to be at the end of next year? Compared to last September, this September, today, the RIBER futures contract is down just 16 basis points in price. And what that says is the market doesn't believe interest rates have changed or the interest rate outlook has changed very much at all since last year despite all the rate hikes and all the inflation rhetoric. Um, the December or the June 2025 contract, just to take this a little bit further, the June 2025 contract, since, this, since last September 27th, the June 2025 contract is actually up two basis points, two basis points, which means again, the market has not really changed its projection of where interest rates, short-term interest rates are going to be that far out into the future. Compared to December 30th, so the end of last year, it's down five basis points. So again, incredibly stable and consistent. Forward rates and forward market perceptions of forward rates, 
suggest that the outlook is the same. And the outlook changed. The outlook changed September and October last year. That is also true of the cash markets or the rates markets or the bond markets, or in this case, the Bund market, which is Germany's equivalent of U.S. Treasuries. What we find in the Bund market is exactly what I just said in the forward Euriber rate market. We'll make the same comparisons in German bonds that we just did in Euriber futures. What you see is pretty much the same, though to an extent it's a little bit different because now we're we're cash market, we're looking at today, current, current uh, level, current conditions and current changes versus forward rates, which are always looking ahead forward. The German two-year shots, is it shots or Schatzi? You never know how to pronounce it. The two-year the two shots, which is an important collateral piece in the uh, Euro system, the two-year is up just 93 basis points since last October 21st. And October 21st, as you can see on any chart, is a prominent date because it shows up as the inflection point. That's the moment when the market said, the German market in particular said, we're going to stop ignoring the ECB. Or we're going to start ignoring the ECB. We're going to stop focusing on rate hikes. And we're going to start focusing more on longer run money and macro factors and money and macro potential. Something happened in September and October. We know what it is, even if, if nobody wants to say it. Something happened that altered the course of the monetary system, the banking system, and the European economy. And, and to uh, because this is something we find around the world, it's not just Europe. We're globally synchronized here. So since last September, the two-year has moved up 93 basis points. The five-year, however, that's only increased by 28 basis points in yield since last October. That's through today. The 10-year, just 13. So again, longer-term rates, longer-term cash market rates, they have been remarkably steady. There's been more movement in the short end, which is more susceptible to the rate hikes. And speaking of those rate hikes, how many rate hikes has the ECB done since last October 21st? 300 basis points total. So the short end, the ECB's benchmarks, those have gone up by 300 basis points since last October. Only 93 basis points at the two-year, even though the two-year is supposed to be really sensitive to short-term rates and monetary policy rates. Only 13 basis points change at the 10-year. And again, you can see, like Euriber futures, like U.S. Treasuries, German bond rates have been incredibly stable since that time. The market does not buy the soft landing. Does not buy the soft landing, and for not the, for different reasons than for Miss, from Mr. Ferguson. The market also doesn't buy restarted inflation. In fact, the market is absolutely certain, or as certain as it can possibly be, in a dynamic, uncertain world. But in terms of probabilities, not only have we seen interest rates and forward rate indications remarkably stable, we also have to keep in mind they're inverted. And they've been inverted more and more since March 9th. March 9th was, if you remember, the day we learned about Silicon Valley Bank and really Credit Suisse. So there's another inflection point, a minor inflection point, where inversions in Europe suddenly get even more inverted. And they have remained that way, even though the, the ECB, like the Fed, they continue to hike rates, they continue to push short-term rates, they continue to push this inflation narrative, they continue to talk about tight labor markets and resilient economies, and the markets are saying, we don't see it.
And the reason they don't see it is because the data, as much as ambiguous as it might be at times, at other times it has been exceptionally clear. And this is one of those times. This is why we want to talk about Europe, because the data in Europe has been exceptionally clear, especially where it comes to prices, deflation and prices, but not yet consumer prices, deflation in producer prices. Eurostat, the Europeans announced just uh, yesterday, I believe, that the European producer price index declined again for the seventh consecutive month. It was down 0.6% month over month that followed a 0.3% decline in June. These are July figures. Seventh straight decline, which means the European PPI has been down in every single month of 2023. Since that time, or over that time, since December, the PPI is down 10.9%. And I know what you're thinking. That's energy prices. And we'll see in a second that it's not just energy prices. But even if it is, Europe's PPI, like the US PPI, like the Chinese PPI, is a leading indicator for consumer prices. All you need to do is I'm going to do here, just pull up a chart over the year of the year-over-year -year change in the European PPI against Europe's HICP, and what do you find? A very, very close correlation where producer prices do in fact lead consumer prices. And that's the bad news. And that's the news that's likely got the attention of the marketplace because year over year, Europe's PPI in July was down by 7.6%. That's more of a year over year decline than in any month during 2020. In fact, that's the second worst year over year change on record. The only time that was worth, the only, only, only month that was worse, not worth, the only month that was worse was July, 2009. So yes, base effects do play a role, energy prices do play a role, but producer prices are pointing toward consumer prices that are eventually going to get down to what? Below 2% for almost certainly, below 1% high probability, maybe even below zero, because that's what producer prices are suggesting right now. And as I said, it's not just producer. It's not just oil. It's not just energy. In fact, oil is moving back in the other direction. At the same time now, core producer prices, core producer prices have declined in Europe for four straight months, four straight months through July. In the month of July, the change was even, was, was low. It was minus 0.462%, which was the worst, the lowest, the most deflationary month since 2009. And that followed a minus 0.307% revised number in June. And what had been the lowest or worst monthly rate uh, since 2009 in May, which is minus 0.459%. So two of the worst months since 2009 for core producer prices in Europe over the last three. So May, June was no, was, wasn't good either plus July, May, June, July, three straight months. And there was a small contraction in April. So four straight months of core producer prices in Europe, deflation rolling over, getting negative. Even if the year over year rate was 1.6% positive, you can see the direction for the economy. So from the perspective of the marketplace, we're looking at this data and thinking, yeah, the worries, the concerns that we were pricing last fall, the fallout from the changes in 
The fallout from everything, from the headwinds from consumer prices, the supply shock, the liquidity, collateral shortage in September that spilled over into October, all of the banking crisis changes in lending, credit crunch, all of it is going to eventually lead to a situation that we're recognizing here in producer prices, recession, deflationary recession potential. That's what's kept markets can, uh, relatively stable all of this time. But does Jay Powell actually believe in the soft landing that he's selling you? Because that was the original question here. And after going through Europe and after talking about China and Asia, even Ferguson mentioning the globally synchronized aspect of it, you have to wonder if Jay Powell actually believes it himself. Because if you go back to 2019, for example, the last time we were talking about recession as well as potentially deflation, when curves were not even close to as inverted as they are now, the FOMC and Mr. Powell, they were pretty unnerved by especially weakness outside the United States, especially Europe. Here's what the FOMC statement said from October 29th and 30, 2019. Other downside risks had not diminished. In particular, some further signs of a global slowdown in economic growth emerged. Weakening in the global economy could further restrain the domestic economy and the risk that the weakness in domestic business, spend, uh, domestic business spending, manufacturing, and exports could give rise to slower hiring and weigh on household spending remained prominent. So weakness, questionable domestic economy, plus you've got this external problem, globally synchronized weakness that the markets continue to price as a huge problem. You have to wonder if Jay Powell even believes in the soft landing himself. Once upon a time, he didn't. He realizes that Goldilocks, the porridge, all of that, there is no just right. If you want to see more about Goldilocks's court case, check out the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to Eurodollar University subscribers and a huge thank you, as always, to our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, please take care.